God's highest purpose is to reveal his son in us but we won't be ready for the power of God to move through us until we first submit to the nature of God being formed in us by the Holy Spirit unless we allow him to work upon us as a master potter with the clay and cooperate with him in what he's asking us for next non-cooperation you know is the sign of the unregenerate and God had something to say to Israel about their disagreement and attitude of non-cooperation with him and again I'm using the message version this is Isaiah 45 9-13 but doomed to you who fight your maker you're a pot at odds with the potter does the clay talk back to the potter what are you doing what clumsy fingers would a sperm say to a father who gave you permission to use me to make a baby or a fetus to a mother why have you cooped me up in this belly thus God the Holy One of Israel Israel's maker says do you question who or what I'm making are you telling me what I can or cannot do I made earth and I created man and woman to live on it I handcrafted the skies and direct all the constellations in their turnings everything is internal before it becomes external the transformation must take place in our thinking before it will be made manifest in our behavior cognitive behavioral therapy is the world's interpretation of Romans 12 1 and 2 And 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 gives us a caution. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom. There's a marked difference between salvation and entering the kingdom and our inheritance. This verse tells us that this sort of behavior will preclude, that is to prevent or disqualify us from entering in. We can't inherit. When we're babes in Christ, God deals as a good parent and he treats us as a babe as such. But if we're still putting our porridge on our heads when we're 12, he will begin corrective treatment. The older we get in the Lord, and he doesn't measure time, he measures growth, the more serious are his requirements. We must grow up if we are to come into our inheritance in the way he so desires. We're going to have to make a conscious, non-emotional decision to trust God and to please him no matter what. We may wish it could be otherwise, but there it is. Jesus said, not my will, but yours, because he wanted to please his Father. And it pleased the Father to bruise him, that we might be set free. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 in the New King James Version. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. 
In his humility, Jesus asked for the cup to be taken from him. But his prayer was, not my will, but thine be done. Even in extremis, he wanted to please the Father more than anything else. To enter into the kingdom and walk in kingdom ways, we must surrender internally without struggle to the will of God. We have to yield, just as you yield to a red traffic light. You don't intentionally drive through it, I hope. You bow the knee to the authority vested in that traffic light. If you can do that when driving a car, how much more should you train yourself to do it when the Father of Lights asks something of you? Ephesians 5, 1-14 Be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful to even speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. To determine to be a father pleaser means that we will make him our preference and our centre. It's a love act. I prefer, desire, have a preference for my father's wishes above my own. So, what are the implications for us? Quiet yourself for a moment and ask him, Father, what are the implications for me? Take a moment right now to do business with him. Here's a prayer. You may want to say Amen to this. 
Father, as I sit in your presence, I believe that you want to call me forth to walk with you in my inheritance, the inheritance your Son won for me on the cross. My desire is to live in fullness in the land of promises, to come into the inheritance Jesus won for me on the cross. Lord, I ask that you'd come to me in a special way and make my understanding of what it is to come into my inheritance crystal clear. And I ask, Father, that you would strengthen me by your Spirit in my inner man. Help me to see clearly that when the time comes to choose your way against my own, I will be strong enough to make the right choices and receive my inheritance. I declare you to be my preference, Lord. Work this in me, I ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. We can't enter the kingdom with mediocrity, passivity, low self-esteem, procrastination, deception, no vision and no passion. Israel couldn't wait to get out of Egypt, but they weren't prepared to go into the promised land either. Reassurance, the Bible tells us, is acceptable. The twin brothers of doubt and unbelief aren't. Doubt and unbelief send the message that God can't be trusted. God will always reassure you if you're not sure about something. Gideon needed reassurance after the angel had visited him and God answered him twice. A fleece is to confirm what God has said, not to determine the will of God. Have a look at Judges 6. An unrenewed mind is always in conflict with itself. It's characterised by the instability which James describes in James 1, 6-8 in the NIV. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Israel never made it to the promised land. They drank from the river, but they died in the wilderness. They died, and God raised up a younger generation to possess the land. Hebrews warns us to heed their history. Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 16 to 19 headed up the peril of unbelief. Take care, brethren, that there be in any one of you, that there not be in any one of you, an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. If you examine Israel's history, you'll see that they constantly complained and griped about their situation. They railed against Moses' leadership and rose up against him. They didn't allow themselves to be trained by their circumstances, but constantly longed for the bondage they had before. I remember the cucumbers, the onion and the garlic. 
How many of us are really, really like that? Not consciously, of course, but the bottom line is we're comfortable in that bondage of low self-esteem and self-pity, procrastination and a poverty mindset. Poverty is not just about money, you know. Poverty can show itself in constantly measuring ourselves against others, perceiving that we are falling short. And this results in anger, resentment, bitterness, sarcasm, cynicism and hardness of heart. Opportunities to be angry, irritated and generally upset by people, <coughs> events and circumstances are many and varied. Gentleness puts an end to irritability. It prevents justifiable anger. It's merciful, peaceful and full of goodness. Gentleness keeps our heart open to God under extreme provocation. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness acting together in our lives produce self-control. And the fruit of the spirit of love and self-control are bookends holding the rest of the fruit together. We're learning a new language, learning more about the consistent nature of God, learning to walk in a new way and practice new disciplines. If you really want to walk in the high places with God, you need the circumstances you're in. Everything is useful for your growth, for your relationship with God, your faith, your identity, your destiny to be revealed. That takes a mindset change. Everything in your life right now, good, bad or ugly, is useful if you allow it to be, if you let it help you. It's useful for your growth, your identity, your destiny and your inheritance. God doesn't change. He's not going to give his kingdom to children who can't control themselves. One of the hallmarks of the kingdom of God is courtesy. The Holy Spirit is the most courteous person I know. Rudeness and disrespect are the hallmarks of the enemy's kingdom. The Lord wants to teach you a way of being with him that makes the enemy abandon territory to you. Now wouldn't that be nice? If you don't work on self-control and you do it, if you can't rule your own spirit, he cannot give you what he longs to give you, the fullness of your identity and inheritance in Christ. So it's time to stop blaming other people for how you are and who you are and start making some quality choices. People do not irritate you or make you angry. The irritation and the anger were there already. People just happened to uncover it, that's all. Time to take responsibility for your own growth and development. Your inheritance is for now. The devil is a thief and a robber. Time to come out of agreement with him. He's stopping up your well of abundance and favour. Jesus told us that when the Holy Spirit came we would have rivers of living water flowing from our inmost being. What's flowing from yours right now? You get an inheritance when someone dies. 
yours started when Jesus died. If I'm in my old mindset, I cannot receive it because I cannot prove the good and acceptable will of God. Only the renewed mind can do that. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We've got to be transformed in our thinking as a matter of urgency. So there's a question, which side of the cross are you living on? The cross is either the finish line where you're headed or the starting line. You're on one side or the other. At the start line we begin to run the race that's marked out for us. Our struggle is with habits, patterns of life, not with the old sin nature. Jesus killed that stone dead on the cross. We're moving from a mindset of victim and slavery to a place of freedom in Christ. And we must say a definite no to what seeks to entangle us. Hebrews 12.1 and the message again. Or one to three in the message. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish line in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there, in the place of honour, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he ploughed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. What you're fighting, beloved, are the habits of a lifetime and the thinking of a lifetime. God told Cain, remember, in Genesis 4, 7, If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. You must master it. God is the architect of your destiny, but you must give him planning permission, a long obedience in the same direction. The message says it well in Ephesians 4.22. Since then, we don't have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through, get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. That's a brilliant translation, inside out. Self-help teaching is trying to teach a dead dog new tricks. We're told to throw things off, be transformed, put on Christ, clothe ourselves with him as with a garment, only then can we prove the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. All of this is active, not passive. We do have stuff to deal with and we'll always have stuff. But it's time to truly reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. 
concentrating not on dying but on life, his life pulsing within us. The cross is freedom, not bondage. If something's nearly killed you, you're not dead yet, and you'll have to go through that particular situation again until you are dead, as the stones on the road, as I've heard said. Our confession needs to change to, Thank you, Father, I'm so dead. I'm so alive to all your promises. I'm no longer living in measure, I'm in fullness. I'm so clean, I'm alive, I'm subject to your brilliance. I'm looking forward to my destiny, inheritance and romance. I'm looking forward to discovering how beautiful you are and I am. When we have something, kingdom living, we can take it into the world without the world touching us. We can impart to them newness of life, not a makeover, not religion, but life and relationship out of our own experience. The truth is we fight from victory, not towards it. The battle has been won. We have only to stand in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. This is our starting place, not our finishing line. So stop identifying with your sin and your shortcomings and identify with the finished work of the cross. Remember, it's either the finish line or the starting line. Sanctification is a process, a journey. Ours is to enjoy the journey, make the choices, pay the man. The indwelling Holy Spirit will do the rest. The life of Jesus keeps changing things. The life within us is there to produce the character of Jesus himself. Settle down. Enjoy the journey. Work with the Holy Spirit in your own transformation process. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are the glorious companion of an incredible King. We are in between God's desire for a bride for his son and our desire to be that bride. That's the journey we're on and that journey is called process. We're on a journey of desire, the desire that's in God's heart to have a bride for his son, one who will love him as he loves her. God's desire for us is to see us restored to our former beauty. The power within has given you all you need we are partakers of the divine nature. We have the potential to come to fullness. It's our inheritance, beloved. It's our inheritance. 2 Peter 1, 3-10 again in the message. What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps it all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as an evidence of his victory. You never saw him, but you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing. 
because you keep kept on believing you'll get what you're looking forward to total salvation the prophets who told us this was coming asked a lot of questions about this gift of life God was preparing the Messiah's spirit let them in on some of it that Messiah would experience suffering followed by glory they clamoured to know who and where all they were told was that they were serving you you who by orders from heaven have now heard for yourselves through the Holy Spirit the message of those prophecies fulfilled do you realize how fortunate you are angels would have given anything to be in on this maybe it's time for you to start asking questions what am I not seeing father adjust my perspective so I can see what my current circumstances are meant to produce there's a place in the spirit set aside for you it has your name on it no one else can stand there it's yours and everything in your life right now is designed to bring you into that place of maturity and faith where you can occupy it so we're training for reigning this life is our training and proving ground don't waste your experiences beloved let's pray Father I want to live in that place that Jesus died to give me I'm starting to understand Lord that I have to live above these things and occupy a place in the spirit realm where I can only see from your perspective and like Jesus I can only say what you're saying and only do what you're doing I need an anointing that looks beyond the natural into the supernatural so that I can see the kingdom of heaven at work I pray that you'll enable me to inhabit that place Father that I may come into my inheritance that I may come into the favour and blessedness that you've set aside for me I pray for a revelation of your love to fill my heart so that I may come into a whole new place of spirituality a whole new place of walking with you where I will be convinced of the bigness of God that you love and care for me that you're for me and you want me to succeed and that you're on my side Amen God bless you thank you for listening